Greetings, good morning, and welcome to worship, in-person worship, but also if you're joining us on cable services of Whiteman and Eastlink, uh, we have a special greeting for you too. And uh, even if you uh, are those who check in on YouTube, and I want to say to those people, uh, we're celebrating World Communion this Sunday, and since our services are a week delayed, uh, I would invite you to uh, prepare for, to, to join the communion service virtually. So, you know, if you have some coffee, some tea, some juice, uh, some toast, you know, muffins, whatever, uh, you would uh, be welcome to join that service uh, uh, virtually. Right after this uh, communion service, uh, you are invited to stay for a very important uh, congregational meeting when your search committee brings forward recommendations uh, for your next minister. Okay? So uh, that's good news. It's a good news day. And that leads me to say that I am going to beetle off here right after the service because I'm going to Pine River out on the lakeshore. They've got a good news day. They are covenanting with their new minister. And those of us who have helped them out during their, oh, over two years of uh, not having a resident minister have been invited back to celebrate with them. So Gene and I are going to just go right out. Now, Gene's not here this morning uh, because for her it's kind of a long day. You know, she can only tolerate uh, so much especially if I'm a preacher, <laughs> which I'm not that much of. And just a, a few other announcements that are important, I, I would think, and, and you, you edit these. Light on Main Street uh, uh, comes back to the church this Wednesday, and uh, I'm hoping that uh, uh, Bill Smonars has got the volunteers that he needs. Uh, I know uh, I recruited myself at the time I did something more, so uh, that's what I'm, I'm doing. Um, the fall food drive, Sander House Memorial. Uh, we all miss this uh, beautiful, beautiful Sandra. And uh, so in her honor, uh, this food drive, and you see it uh, you know, there. And, you know, oh, please. Christmas is coming. Look at your know, Christmas card creations at uh, the end of November. So this is just advance notice of that. Is there anything else that should be mentioned this Sunday? Anniversary Sunday is coming up. I didn't hear that. <laughs> Anniversary Sunday. Anniversary Sunday. Anniversary Sunday? Yeah. I'm looking forward to that too. Um, I don't know what uh, Laura Dalma's uh, role, uh, you know, what she's going to be contributing to the service, but she's a deeply spiritual lady, and um, she has much to offer us from, from her Roman Catholic perspective. And um, I'm, I guess I'm one, if there's been a change in, in my, uh, what, faith journey, is that I've come to appreciate uh, the Franciscan uh, contribution 
uh, Franciscans called, called themselves uh, those on the outside of the inside. Uh, they offer sort of a, to me it looks like a very Protestant theology, but deeply spiritual. And uh, uh, so, you know, there, there is within their tradition things that are very significant, valuable, even uh, to us Protestants. These are the announcements then. We recognize that we're on the traditional territory of the Adolfo, Mississauga, Mishinawaki, First Nation, and the Métis people, and that we're all people of Treaty 45 and a half. May we continue to work to be in right relationships with our indigenous neighbors and to speak up and speak out against systemic racism and colonialism. And I hope that many of you were able to participate and, and view uh, uh, some of these celebrations of the uh, first uh, truth and reconciliation that I participated and watched quite a bit. very humbling experience. Peace of Christ has always been a traditional part of the faith, but how do you do it during uh, COVID? I'm just going to ask you to stay in your seat and uh, uh, extend, you know, uh, signs of peace. You know, the peace of Christ be with you, and the, the love of God be with you. Uh, however you would do it without getting out of your seat, just look around, greet one another in this, this fashion. And now, we are going to uh, center ourselves, quiet ourselves, as we go deeper into worship, as we sing, open our hearts. Communion Sunday, we gather with like-spirited Christians to share a vision of the world united under God. We come to Christ's table, symbol of hospitality and welcome for all people. At the table, we are sustained by the life of Christ body and spirit nourished in the journey of faith. Come then, let us worship. Holy One, on this World Communion Sunday, enliven our imaginations to peel open the little walls of our church and receive an expansion, expansive vision of all Earth's people united in peace and harmony around your grand banquet table, all sharing equally, all speaking respectfully, all listening caringly, all helping one another, 
all living together with respect in creation and in harmony with all living beings. Amen. Let us build the house.
morning. Our faith in action story today is entitled, There's One Church, the Universal One. Unity, justice, and peace for all is a big vision. And it's one that more than 4,000 participants from over 120 countries joined together in September to help realize. Fifteen United Church delegates participated in the World Council of Churches, WCC, assembly in Germany, the largest ecumenical gathering in the world. The denomination has a long history with WCC. The United Church has been there since its inception back in 1948. And your generosity through mission and service has supported the work ever since. It's critical we are there. Since its creation, the World Council of Churches has supported and inspired church participation in struggles for justice, peace, and creation. For example, in the late 60s, WCC uh, program to combat racism led to taking a bold stand in the struggle of apartheid in South Africa. Churches addressed the role of structural injustice in the economic and financial system in the service of apartheid through boycotting goods and calling for divestment in banks and enterprises collaborating with the apartheid system. The WCC has used its collective voice in other areas for justice, including supporting efforts to bring an end to conflict in Sudan, the reunification of North and South Korea, and the defense of human rights in Latin America during decades of brutal military dictatorships. Today, the WCC is advocating on key issues like nuclear disarmament, stateless peoples, children's rights, and racial justice in various levels of national and international governance. Since the United Nations Framework Convention on Climate Change was adopted back in the 1992, the WCC has been present at all UN climate change conferences. As of September 22 meeting, Bishop Dr. Heinrich Bedford-Strom of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in Bavaria was elected as the new moderator of the WCC. In his speech, he encouraged churches to listen to the spirit calling them to unity. Here's what he said. The church can never be provincial or national. The church is always universal. The church can only witness Jesus Christ when we make this visible. We are one church in this global world where people are suffering, where people cry out for justice, when the church can be an agent to give them a voice and to make visible how the church can be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Thank you for supporting worldwide ecumenical efforts to build a better world through mission and service. Good morning, everyone. Feels good to be back, feels good to be back up here. <laughs> I've missed you all. Um, this past Wednesday, uh, Nathan and I attended the funeral of a 15-year-old girl named Catherine. She had a long, uh, courageous battle with cancer. And um, 
they, her, her father shared some words with us at the funeral, which was really touching to me about how strong her faith was uh, throughout her battle and also in the end when she knew it was the end. And uh, she was, um, you know, she was more concerned and worried about her family and how they were going to feel and the grief that they were going to feel when she was gone because she knew that she was going to a wonderful place and that she was going to be fine and happy. And um, so that was, it was really touching and how strong at 15 years old that um, beautiful girl was. And so this song was played and sang at her service and I thought that it would be fitting to share that all with you and um, just talking about how great and awesome our God is. So. Rejoice, he wraps himself in light, and darkness tries to hide, and trembles in his voice, and trembles in his voice. How great is our God! How great is our God! How great, how great is our God! Age to age he stands, and time is in his hands, beginning and the end, beginning and the end. The God had three in one, Father, Spirit, Son, the Lion and the Lamb, the Lion and the Lamb, name above all names, worthy of our praise. Sing how great is our God. How great is our God. How great is our God. How great, how great is our God. How great is our God. How great is our God. me for this part, please. Our God is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven above with wisdom, power, and love. Our God is an awesome God. Our God is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven above with wisdom, power, and love. Our God is an awesome God. Oh, Stacy, thank you for sharing that lovely story. Sad story. 
made me cry, and for the lovely song. Scripture today is Luke 17, 5 to 10. The apostles said to the Lord, make our faith stronger. And Jesus replied, if you have faith no tiny mustard seed, you could tell this mulberry tree to pull itself up, roots and all, and plant itself in the ocean, and it would. If your servant comes in from plowing or from taking care of the sheep, you, would you say, welcome, come in and have something to eat? No, you wouldn't say that. You would say, prepare me something to eat. Get ready to serve me so I can have my meal. Then later on, you can eat and drink. Servants don't deserve special thanks for doing what they are supposed to do. And that's how it should be with you. When you've done all you should, then say, we are merely servants and we have simply done our duty. We pray. Spirit of God be in the speaking and in the hearing as we journey deeper into our faith in our life's journey. Amen. In uh, today's gospel reading, we have heard three very loosely uh, related teachings. And uh, they sort of center on the disciples' request, increase our faith. And I'm using the new Revised Standard Version. Increase our faith. Um, we might connect these three statements with these, uh, or we could connect the, the stories with three statements. Number one, we find it very hard to forgive. Number two, we need more faith if we're going to forgive. Number three, as servants of the gospel, it is our expected duty to forgive. Now, I suppose you could make other statements trying to connect uh, passages that don't seem to connect. Uh, but that said, each teaching presents challenges to us. Take forgiveness. This teaching relates literally to life in the early church, in the earliest communities decades after Jesus' uh, teaching. And really, that's where the saying comes from. Uh, they had no qualms in the early years of attributing uh, statements to Jesus. But if you look at it, it just can't be. Uh, because Jesus never expected a church. Uh, he never uh, ministered to break away from the Jewish traditions. Uh, and so here it is. They're talking about little ones. That's the early church's uh, statement of new converts. Uh, little ones refers to those who are just joining the faith or learning the faith. And warning is giving about harming these baby Christians. So the conclusion is that harming fellow believers is a very serious matter. Uh, if you cause hurt, you might as well be thrown into the sea. Uh, uh, making the point by exaggeration. Uh, but then they turn the, turn the tables and say, but what if that fellow member hurts you? 
Well, if a person says, I'm sorry, you must forgive. Even if that person repeatedly hurts you and keeps saying to you, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, you must forgive. If that person repeatedly hurts you and keeps saying sorry, you must repeatedly forgive them seven times a day. Now, that could be 49 times a week, couldn't it? But again, you know, exaggeration. So don't ask, you know, about the eighth time. Seven times, don't ask about the eighth. Uh, you catch the drift. Forgiveness is a rule of, of uh, is a Christian rule of thumb. But in real life, forgiveness is complex. You know, it may not be too difficult to uh, forgive minor hurts, but grievous wrongs are, are different. When, you deeply, when you're deeply hurt, you know, all kinds of questions arise. For example, should a wife who is repeatedly beaten by her abusive husband be expected to forgive because he keeps on saying he's sorry? We watched a, a movie last night with this very uh, uh, factor in it. What about women who are raped on campus or by their superiors in the military or a boss in the office uh, and they feel that they have to remain silent because of the injustices of a male-dominated system? Aren't women already vulnerable in what's an unjust world? Wouldn't a woman feeling that she had to be obligated to forgive, humiliate her even further. I ask, I'm only a male. I don't know if I can speak to that question. So what I want to say is that the command to forgive isn't simple at all. And yet, as a general rule, God's love and our life together surely require that we aspire to reconciliation wherever it is possible. And so forgiving and being forgiven, I think, are part of, of a healing and, and reconciling process. And, you know, we've just been through uh, Truth and Reconciliation Day. And, you know, these, these very, very things are, are much present in our national life. Well, that's the first story. Jump to the third. Consider the underappreciated slave who gets no thanks for a job well done. You know, your slave comes in from a full day's work and you insist on being served supper right away and the slave can eat the leftovers later because that's how it is. Slavery was an accepted institution and frankly, Scripture does not question it. It doesn't question the ethic of it even though Jesus spent his entire ministry among the marginalized, the poor, the outcast, and he called out the abuses of the powerful. So I think in the story of Jesus, his life, his ministry, we have that tipping point that eventually rooted out slavery, which our Christian forebears you know, also took for granted the same way our Christian forebears have taken, for example, uh, taken as given the colonial system that did so much terrible harm to indigenous people. So our sensitivities or sensibilities, you know, great 
at the concept of slavery that's represented in this story. A slave puts in a long day doing what is ordered and is still considered worthless. You also, when you have done your duty, say, we are worthless slaves or servants. In Greek, it's the same word. When you have done what you were ordered to do, what makes you unworthy? Yeah. That's my problem with this story. I cannot imagine that Jesus implied that his followers were worthless slaves. The suggestion is out of character for Jesus who gave self-worth to the very people that his culture put down as nobodies and worthless. Indeed, in John's Gospel, in the, uh, chapter 15, that great chapter where it, Jesus gives the command to love one another as he has loved us, uh, he says, I don't call you slaves. I call you friends. And friends have worth. But of course, friends are human. <laughs> friends. We know our foibles, our frailty, our failure. That's what it means to be human, but worthless. Well, I think throughout history, as the church became a powerful institution, it effectively used unworthiness, guilt, fear, based in its doctrine of original sin to, to condition people to focus on their wretchedness. You know, you're worthless, you're disobedient, you know. Adam and Eve, you know, did it and now you're it, you know. Well, the Christian church always sort of began its understanding of humanity in the third chapter of Genesis. <laughs> Jewish people start in chapter one with the blessing given on uh, the... Uh, uh, on humanity and the story of Adam and Eve for them is a story of humans coming to uh, what coming to maturity growing up getting a sense of, of, of self-reflectiveness in, in fact you know they it said that our ancestors became human when they could begin to think about themselves and their behavior okay it's a different story that way. Uh, Dr. Earl Lautenschlager uh, was the principal of Emanuel College way back in my student days, and he taught a course on pastoral theology. That's you know, sort of the, the practical stuff of working in a church. All I can rem remember of that course was his comment spoken with his clipped Pennsylvania Dutch gruffness. Uh, well, you get around where I grew up, you know, in, in the Kitchener area. And so he would say, that church had far too long rubbed its people's noses in the muck. <laughs> yeah. With, with, with a setup like that, how do you hear Jesus' response to the disciples' big ask? Lord, increase our faith. Jesus replied, if you had faith the size of a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted, planted in the sea, and... It would obey you. 
In Matthew's gospel, the same uh, phrase is used, and, and, and you can cast mountains into the sea. Well, again, disregard the miraculous exaggeration. This is not meant to be taken literal, is it? It doesn't mean that if you had a really big faith, you could rearrange the landscape. You know, I can't even plant my, or transplant my, my stuff in my garden in the right place. You know, I've three things I've, I planted and I had to rearrange them, okay? Uh, no, when you do stuff like that around here, you get an earth-moving earth equipment. However, as mucky-nosed people, <laughs> did, did you hear Jesus' mustard seed comment as shaming words when, when, when you listen to the gospel? Were these shaming words? We'd like a stronger faith, wouldn't we? But I don't have it. Guess I'm no good. Well, I hope you did not hear Jesus' statement as this kind of criticism. What if he's not scolding his disciples at all? What if he's not troubled over a lack of faith, faith, but is speaking these words with a voice of encouragement and love as one who lays down his life for his friends? Okay. If we listen to, with this new perspective, we hear Jesus speaking with kindness and perhaps uh, with a twinkle in his eyes. Friends, friends, you don't need more faith, he said. Even with this much faith, even this much faith is enough. With this much faith, you can accomplish wonderful things. When you hear Jesus speak with the voice of love, we hear him telling his people that they already have enough faith to do what is required of them at any time. What's faith anyway? Faith is a way of life. It's not quantifiable. You know, you can't get a, you know, plug in and get a faith app and be stronger. Uh, you know, uh, elsewhere in the gospel, uh, the realm of God is compared to the mustard seed uh, that starts out small and becomes gradually a formidable plant. That to me is what, how faith is. Mustard seed grows by living with trust. Trust in the trustworthiness of God. We gain faith by living faith. And the miracle is that at any point in our lives, we always have enough resources for the moment and the situation. Look back. Look back at, at your life. Uh, you realize that in all we've been through, we have been carried day by day, year by year, by a profound love that is constant and trustworthy. And so I say, you know, let's, let's wipe the muck off our, our noses, you know. In other words, get, you know, accept ourselves as human creatures, our imperfect humanity, welcome God's love, grace each day, and keep on living the trusting faith. It frees us. Frees us to forgive and be forgiven. It frees us to live together seeking reconciliation. It frees us to do our loving service as the children of God. This much faith 
for each moment. That's a lot. Amen. And so we receive our offerings. We give in gratitude for that faith we have, for that trust, for the ministry that God has called us to in this church and in the world. Please. And we sing. I say, what can I sing? I'll sing with joy, I'll say a prayer, I'll bring my life, I'll do my share. Here are our offerings of self and service, money, bread and wine, O oh Lord. Bless them and us we pray. Amen. Thank you. In the name of Jesus who said, I am the bread of life, I invite you to come and drink, eat. In the name of Jesus who said, I am the bread of life, I invite you to come and drink. In the name of Jesus who said, love one another as I have loved you, I invite you to his table. His table is an open table and all are welcome. And we sing, all who hunger.
taste and see the grace eternal, taste and see that God is good. All who hunger sing together, Jesus is the living bread. Come from loneliness and longings, here in peace we have been led. Blessed are those who in the table live their lives in gratitude. Taste and see the grace eternal, taste and see that God is good. Just before we uh, enter into uh, the communion service itself, uh, you people have used these very sanitary, COVID cautious uh, elements before. And uh, it's just, you know, there are two tabs on these cups, aren't there? And uh, if you can find the first one, <laughs> it is the clear tab on top. And uh, so you remove that first when it's time to have the bread, and uh, then the second when it's time to drink from the cup. Uh, and I would ask you to take these with you. Now, I know there's, uh, at the back, there, there is a, a waste receptacle, and uh, I, I suppose, you know, you, it'd be nice, well, you're going to hold these for the congregational meeting anyway, so uh, find the waste container afterwards so that, uh, you know, they're all collected. Well then, let us come to the table. God is with us. We are not alone. Christ is present here. The Spirit is among us. Let us give thanks to God. It is good and right to give God thanks. Eternal God, maker of heaven and earth, we join with all your people to give you thanks and praise. You formed the universe in your wisdom. You created all things by your grace. We praise you for all your good gifts. The witness of the saints and prophets the work of the faithful men and women down the years, this earth in all its blessings and promise, and this bread that was once scattered, now brought together and made one in the loaf that we partake. In the hope that your people may be brought together from the ends of the earth into your reign of justice and compassion, we gather with those of every time and place to give you praise and glory, saying together, Holy, holy, holy God, source of life and love, the universe is filled with your glory. Praise and thanks to you in the name of Jesus Christ. 
Let us remember together that vision of God's reign shown to us in Jesus at table. He shared food with followers and friends, with saints and sinners, with crowds of thousands on the hillside, and a few friends in the upper room. On the night before he died, he had supper with his companions. He took the bread, and after giving thanks, he broke it, saying, take, eat, do this in remembrance of me. And then he took the cup and with shaking hands, he said, after giving thanks, he passed it and saying, drink this, do this in remembrance of me. Through this bread and this cup, Jesus lives within us. In word and deed, Jesus lives among us. Loving God, remembering Christ's life and death, proclaiming his resurrection and waiting in hope for the fulfillment of your purpose in him, we offer ourselves and our that our lives may reflect your redemptive purpose. Send your Holy Spirit upon us, upon this sacrament, that we who eat and drink at Christ's table may share in his life. Pour out your spirit upon the whole earth and make it your new creation. Gather your church together from the ends of the earth into your realm where peace and justice are revealed that we with all your people of every language, race, and nation may share the banquet you have promised. At this time, we remember also uh, those with whom you would have us share this feast. We pray for those who are sorrowing, those who are in pain, those who are alone or ill or suffering, those in our senior residences who have a hard time feeling connected to us who gather here today. We pray for all who live with fear and oppression or hunger, the victims of war, the innocents who are uh, victimized by corrupt regimes, all those people whom the world counts as least and last. We pray for your church and its varied ministries. We pray for this church as it comes to the good news its search committee brings. We pray blessing upon the meeting and upon the ministry that will begin in due time. We pray for the nations. We pray that there may be a striving for peace and justice, even though the world sees so much conflict and war. We pray for the earth, fragile web of life that we share and through our foolishness have despoiled. We pray for our family, our friends, those we love. We gather all your prayers together in the name of Jesus and pray his prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation 
but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. These are the gifts of God for the people of God. Let us come, for all things are prepared. And as you take the wafer, we say, Jesus, the bread of life. And taking the cup, we say, Jesus, the true vine. We pray. Life-giving God, we give you thanks for the gift of our Savior's presence in the simplicity and splendor of this holy meal. Unite us with all around the world who are fed by the life of Christ, that we may faithfully proclaim the good news of your love and that your church may be a rainbow of hope in an uncertain world. We pray through Jesus, our Redeemer. May it be so. Amen. We sing, Great is Thy Faithfulness.
I'd like to be able to stay with you for the congregational meeting, but I just cannot. Uh, but I wish you well as you enter into that meeting. It, it won't be a long one, folks, so please be committed to stay. Now that our spirits have been filled with God's grace and renewed by God's love, take the gifts of God's into the world, love, peace, and hope. Uh, the broken world needs you. May you be blessed with holy experiences this week, with, with beautiful moments, ones that will counter all the challenges of the, the week. Let your Christ light shine. Go with that gentle, persuasive power of God. Go in peace. Go with God. Amen.